It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Hersema. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, August 25th. We are one day away from the Rio Hondo prep football season starting tomorrow, Friday night at Care Park. I know I have another podcast called A Charge to Keep that is all real football, but I know I got a lot of listeners who listen to both, so I'm pretty fired up about uh, tomorrow's game. But back to my Thursday recording schedule here. Uh, I am off again, and it's just easier to wake up in the morning, grab a few cups of coffee, and get to work, and and then get the episode out on Thursday as kind of a, a treat for the weekend. So I hope you haven't missed me too much on those Tuesday episodes, but but here I am. Got some uh, good feedback from last week's Get Home Safe uh, show with just some of my ramblings and rants and just overall, you know, just general things that go on in my head sometimes. So this is good for me. It's a good place to vent. And then, of course, uh, over the weekend, get to do my Charge to Keep uh, podcast. So very excited about that. Uh, for those who might be interested with the Charge to Keep podcast, again, we're doing our Sunday game recap episodes, recording with Coach Carson and, and usually a special guest. But I'm also going to have uh, an episode out on Fridays, probably just like 15, 20 minutes, just kind of a brief uh a game preview type of thing where I'm going to do like my five keys to the game tonight. And then of course at the games themselves um, on Friday nights, I will be there in person for now, as long as I can uh, with work and, and things, but I will be there recording uh, probably a lot of social media videos. I'm going to do like a pregame show type of deal. I might, I may put that on YouTube, but I will have uh, most of those clips put out on, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, however you follow us, you should be able to see them and just kind of a benefit to uh, stay updated on the social media pages there, because you'll want to know, you'll want to see clips of the team coming out uh, clips of maybe uh, some, some, some big plays or, you know, the coin top, whatever it is, whatever's going on on Friday night. I want to keep you guys informed who can't get there. And it's an opportunity for those who did go to the game to relive, relive it a little bit. And maybe even the boys on the team would want to uh, check it out. So those are some housekeeping items the charge to keep podcast, but today is Thursday and that is the get home safe podcast time. Again, great feedback last week when, uh, I, I heard, uh, I heard some, some people talk to me about some of the things I, I, I ranted about and, and, and they're out there. They range from, they range all over. Why do girls call each other girlfriends? I don't understand that. Uh, pizza math, um, all kinds of weird stuff that just goes through my head and some serious topics as well, which uh, is is a big reason I do this uh, also. So uh, hopefully you guys are entertained. Are you not entertained, right? As a gladiator, Russell Crowe says, great movie. Uh, I do have something I have to admit to you guys. First off, let's get some coffee here. Last week I recorded and I had a cold cup of coffee. I'm like, wait a minute, you got to take hits of this. This is your magic elixir. You got to keep this going. And black coffee as God intended. You think there was cream and sugar? In the Garden of Eden, guys, I don't think so. I really, I know it was paradise. So there was not a lot of nice fruits, maybe some fruits that were forbidden and shouldn't have been touched and ended up getting eaten. But I got to imagine coffee was probably intended just uh, to be drank as is. 
And it's not to say every now and then I don't indulge. Eh, let's try a little coffee cake creamer. You know, it tastes like Christmas a little bit. So you got you got things of that nature. But man, black. And it took me a while to get here. I'll admit it took our our adulting. Adulting sometimes takes us a little while to get uh, where we need to be. Um, and this is just a big part of it. It's nice hot black coffee. Okay, enough of me. Uh, I, uh, not enough of me because I do have something to admit to you guys. This is something it's hard to admit, but again, a, a big part of, I don't know, making life tolerable is, is being able to admit when you're wrong, admit your mistakes, admit your faults. And, um, this is something, well, I'll just say this. This is probably something you don't know about me. How's that? We should start a segment where I talk about, uh, things you don't know about me. I think it would probably scare a few people. And it would probably not be that surprising to other people. They'd be like, yeah, that's Matt uh, or whatever. So um, this is something and that's something I'm going to I'm going to take care of real soon. But um, this is something you may not know about me. And it's something, uh, again, you, you, you probably would not guess. And as much as I love football, as much as I love high school football. Um, I loved the Friday Night Lights movie. I love most movies that have ever been made about football at any level. Uh, something I have not, never seen is the Friday Night Lights television show. And I've heard nothing but good things. It started in 2010. It went for five seasons. It's kind of a, a follow-up on the Friday Night Lights movie. I was like first in line for that Friday Night Lights movie because I think it was, well, I had just finished playing high school ball. But I've never seen the Friday Night Lights television show. And I intend to do so. It's on Netflix. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to dive in and, and to, uh, especially this time of year, I think it's it's really, really uh, special to to dive into that. I don't know what's taking me so long. There's so many shows like that, but I, I've always been like, I'll get to that later. That's part of the beauty of having all this streaming is that you can put things, well, I don't, is it procrastination? Remember how it used to be? Like when we were in high school, it was the, the big show at the time. And it wasn't just high school kids, but it was uh, it was the world it was uh, was friends. I remember Fred at Thursday nights and every the everything shut down. Everyone had to watch it at that time. And uh, I didn't I didn't really, you know, I, didn't, I was in high school. I was like, what is this? But uh, that was a big like it, the point is it, when there was a show, people sat down and watched it. And it was right then and there. Um, there was no really options for later. You could put a tape in and record it, you know, old school style. But that's just. Now we can kind of wait and watch things like Hard Knocks, one of my favorite uh, HBO shows. I've been watching that. And if I can't get to it Tuesday night, so I'll get to it Wednesday, you know, on HBO Max or whatever. I know the Game of Thrones new uh, show, House of Dragon, was uh, a big hit on Sunday night. Uh, I, it was okay to me. I guess I have high expectations. I watched it. Um, did watch all of Game of Thrones. And that's definitely not for everybody. A lot of, uh, we'll say, uh tough content, uh, a lot of violence and a lot of other things in the Game of Thrones series. So if, if you're not into, uh, we'll say rated R content, it's probably not for you. But um, so there's a lot of people that I, oh, not however many million people watched at this time, but more and more people are going to watch that and other shows streaming later on. So it's it's cool to have those options. But there was a time back in my day, right, when, uh, you know, television shows were just, hey, this is the time it's on. You got to watch it. Much like sports. Can you imagine? I had to do this the past couple of years. Monday Night Football, I got to record it, get home and watch it at 10 o'clock at night and, and try to block out everything that didn't happen. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but the bottom line is I haven't watched the Friday Night Lights television show. I, I don't know much about it. I've seen little clips here and there. Um, Yeah, I, I shame on me. 
shame on me. That's all I can say. I guess I was uh, focused on my officiating career at that time. And I, and I still should have dove it because I fell in love more with high school football when I started to officiate it. And I didn't think, you know, when you play it, I, I coached it and then I officiated it. It was a different type of love, but love nonetheless. And I stepped away. I didn't see a lot of real Hondo games because of that. And so that's a big reason I'm excited for this season opener tomorrow night because I can uh, actually attend, which I haven't been able to do in, man, almost, who knows, like a decade, I would think. Um, so anyway, haven't watched Friday Night Lights, but I'm going to I'm gonna jump on that right now and try to get a, an episode out a day or something like that. And I'll binge through it uh, in no time. So uh, yeah, there's that. Shame on me. I, I hope it's shame on me. I hope it's a good show. And, I, and I'm like, okay, this is... This is I'm all in because that's how I am with shows. It takes me a few episodes. And then if, if usually the, the right around the five, six episode mark, boom, something pops and I'm all in. So hopefully uh, it does that. I have no doubt uh, that it will. Uh, let me see here. OK, let's just go into the big news of the week. We'll say over the past couple of days, um, I have started to compile a list of all of my expenses and um you know, it's California. It's tough. There's uh, I'm gonna charge you for everything, Char charge you for, you know, just it's, it's insane. So I, I think well, I just thought of another one. I'm compiling a nice big list and I want to um, not uh, present it to uh, the federal government. And what I would like is to ask for forgiveness for all bills from the past, all debt from the past, uh, past, present and in the future this is money that i will be spending very soon on my electric bills my uh, gas can we get some uh some some gasoline some fuel forgiveness um for the future how about can we get a check i would love that let's get a check for all the gas that i'm going to be spending from here until a long time grocery how about some girl here's here's your groceries sounds a little like socialism to me for the government to pay for everything but what do i know i'm just a you know Rookie podcaster rambling away, drinking hot coffee in his kitchen in the morning. So uh, I would like forgiveness. Oh, my car. Yes, I still have payments to make on my car. I would love to apply for forgiveness on my car loan. That would be fantastic. Um, what else do I owe? I, I have a bills list in here somewhere. Um, what else? Taxes. Federal taxes. How about state taxes? Can I get forgiveness on those? Can I, uh, the, it's taken out of my check every, I see the pay stub and I'm like, okay, there and there. And um, like, and, and sure, maybe there's a tax refund at the end of the year. Maybe there isn't, I don't know. But can I get some forgiveness on my taxes? Past, present, and future. What do you say? Where do we submit the application? Is there a, is there a universal forgiveness uh, page, website, something I can submit to? Because I just want to know, since it seems to be the popular thing to just, oh, student debt? Sure, no problem. We'll take care of that. You took out a loan. You promised to pay it off. But you know what? It's a lot. We can't ask you to do that. We can't ask you to fulfill a promise. Now, cards on the table. I've applied for loans. They're in the whole COVID thing. Uh, yeah, I, there was, I won't get into details, but there was some financial issues for everybody, right? Unemployment, of course, we all did that for a little bit. Um, there was disaster loans and this and that, and there may or may not have been some forgiveness on some of those things. 
but not a lot. All I do, I, I don't think it's a good uh, principle to to live by. I mean, any money I was told, any money you have, you know, my my father always told me, any don't borrow a lot of money, but any money you do borrow, uh, you always pay it back with with interest, whether it's through a bank or a friend, whatever. And I've gotten into financial jams in the past and had to borrow money from friends. And you know what? It took some time, but I always paid them back. Um, and and you know, there's people out there that probably wouldn't have thought twice about, hey, don't worry about it, man. I for you know. All's forgiven. You were struggling. I was in a good place. Let me take care of you. Uh, there's a lot of, I would think a lot of, uh, you know, my Christian friends out there who are very, uh, very great at giving and giving of their time and, you know what, uh, contributing to missionaries and things like that. that. That's a different story. But my point is, it was, uh, you know, announced this week that President Biden was going to give well, up to $20,000 for people on their student debt student loans what's this this pause pause on payment thing that's been going on for the past few months here in la i mean for an la it was an la county or california there was a you know hold on uh, on rents you don't have to, you don't have to pay rent right and uh, landlords couldn't do anything about it during covid right tough times and these are just one of the many reasons why i was so fed up with all this stuff because it wasn't just a stupid mask it wasn't just the restrictions and the closing of the, it was just like our entire society was crumbling People are getting used to not paying rent. We're getting used to uh, just crying, being, oh, no, that's no big deal. That's how, that's what people are going to do. People stealing bread, they're they're hungry. Yeah, a lot of people stealing bread. You, you see all these videos of, of criminals just robbing CVS pharmacies or, or grocery stores, just going in with a big, you know, one item I never see is bread. I see a lot of liquor bottles. I see a lot of other expensive items. Uh, tree. I don't know. You see a lot of things. I don't see bread. I don't see bread AOC who thinks that every criminal is just stealing to feed their family. Like who's the guy in uh, uh, Les Miserables? He just needed bread for the family. So I needed to steal all those top shelf liquor bottles to feed my kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this whole student debt forgiveness, and I got into an argument with someone uh, a few months ago about this, talking about student debt. And they're like, well, they, they, you know the government they they or these loan companies they they're it's they they hit them with these these interest rates yeah because you're loaning thousands of dollars to an 18 year old who has no credit history so what do you think the interest rates are going to be and also if college is i guess free now i should have gone to usc i i should i don't have the grades but if it well, great. I guess grades don't matter. We see some of the people that that get into USC. Uh, well, I guess you're a really good athlete, or if you're a uh, a uh, a Hollywood celebrity's uh, daughter, right? They'll push you to the forefront there. Oh, wait, that that didn't work out so well. But um, if college is free, if they're all the same, you're telling me it costs the same to go to Cal State Fullerton as USC? <laughs> wow, what a decision I made. That was that wasn't smart. Matt, you don't you you don't have to take out student loans. Yeah, I did not, and you know why? Because my father and my mother were very adamant about no student debt, none, zero. And so you know what had to happen. Now, did I get some assistance from my parents? Yes, I did, but I earned it. I earned every penny of it. Trust me. And cards on the table. I paid for over half of my college myself. Yes, with scholarships. Yes, with uh getting 
grants, volunteer hours, and things of that nature. But again, you know what? The the the, the evil e word. Those were earned. Those weren't given. Nothing is given to you. Things are earned. If things are given to you, you don't appreciate them. My parents taught me that from a very young age, and God bless them for doing so. I didn't like it at the time, but they said, Matt, you got your license now. You have a car that you can use. 89 Honda. Love you. Miss you. Excuse me. 89 Camry. How dare I? I'm driving Camry now. Um, so, so you got a car. You got to pay the insurance or gas. And the insurance was through the roof. And you know, they said, we'll, we'll take care of your gas. That way we know how much you're driving and blah, blah, blah. But you got to pay the car insurance or you're not driving. Oh, man. Come on. Cell phone. You don't need a cell phone. You don't need a cell phone in high school. You can't afford a cell phone. And we're not paying for it. There's a pay phone right there. And you will call us when you need to. Oh, mom and dad, I don't like you. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you teaching me responsibility? I don't like it. And then when I graduated college, I got a bunch of money from, uh, you know, generous uh, gifts from, from friends and family. I got myself a cell phone, got myself a cell phone plan. I had to pay for it. They weren't going to pay for it. Matt, you grew up in Glendora. You, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baja Glendora, friends. If you've never been there. South of Foothill. You know what I mean? South of the 210. Heck, we're on the south side of it. We were practically Covina, where I live now, which is ironic. Where my family is all from. Um. But yeah, my, my parents, they said, no student loans. They'll say, we'll help, we'll help. And that was always the words, we'll help. My dad, <laughs> God bless him again, we'll help. Not, we got you, we'll take care of this. Um, my dad helped with tuition. My mom helped me with books, although I always had to sell books. And so none of this was free. And, and, and my, well, education should be free. Really? How's free education going in California now? around the country, all these public school systems. You think they're in a good place right now? They're free. Not to brag, but, you know, private schools, I think, are probably doing a better job. Not all of them, but I know of a few. And anyway, um, what what about the people that were responsible and paid their student debt? And I know it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I get that. I know that. I don't want to pay that. But why would you take out hundreds of thousands of dollars alone to go major in, uh, I don't know, art history or um, sociology or something. If you're going to do those things, fine. That's your passion. Go for it. But that's probably not paying a lot of money after college, not the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Plus, go to Cal State if you're going to do, do that stuff. I didn't I, I didn't really apply other places. I probably could have applied to other places just to see if I would have got in, to, you know, some local private universities and things. But I also knew, uh, oh, those cost 30 grand a year. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> and now 30 grand would be a bargain. Right? Student debt loan forgiveness. You know how much money that is? I, I, I've seen, I thought it was 300 billion. It's actually closer to 500 billion. You break it all down. And you know what's a great idea when we're, at, we're in a recession? Oh, sorry. Can we say that? Uh, when inflation has gone through the roof, you know what is a wonderful idea? Spend more money, print more money. I am the furthest thing from an economic strategist, expert, anything. I do know this, though. Keep printing money is not working. Be prepared for more things to cost more money. Costs are not going to go down uh, based off of this. And and you could make, well, you know, Matt, these people need help and they need to, we all need help. We all need help on gas prices. We all need help on everything. Everything. Everything costs money. I had some financial uh, juggling I had to do recently. 
I won't go into specifics. I think everyone's had to, to do something. But, and that's why it's important to have good credit, establish yourself, you know, build up, get, just enables you to be able to get a decent auto loan, right? A uh, home loan, hopefully in the future. I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but uh, a personal loans, whatever. You earn these things. And so the whole student debt thing, when when student loans, when you're 18, you have no, you can get a co-signer, which you probably have to, right? Just graduate high school. You have no credit history. There's a reason the interest rates are so high because you're being given something. You haven't earned anything yet. I would venture to say maybe a 30-year-old who gets some loans, student loans, they probably have a better interest rate. Maybe not. Maybe I don't know anything. Maybe if it's checked off as a student loan, it just, hey, the interest rate, you're going to pay forever for this. I don't want to make a decision where I pay forever for something. I don't. There's, there's some funny stories. There's some funny uh, thoughts there, but I'll, I won't touch them. I don't want to pay forever for certain things. I'd like to be capped at, all right, this is going to, you're going to pay this for five years. You're going to pay this for six years. Even, you know, God willing, a home someday. All right, this is 20, 30 years, whatever. But not forever. I don't like forever. Well, some things I like forever. But 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 anything that costs me money forever, that I don't like. So what about the people that paid off their student loans? What about them? Are they just left like dust in the wind? Hey, you guys. You did what you were supposed to. Good job. No. I, reparations? Should they demand student loan uh, payment reparations? Can that word be used in this situation? I, I don't know. Don't cancel me. I'm throwing it out. Forgiveness. Loan forgiveness. I believe in forgiveness. I think there's a good book uh, somewhere that, that preaches forgiveness. Yeah. It's very important. But what is the Lord? Pay your debts as you pay. No, pay your debts as you forget. It's hard to recite the Lord. Any the Pledge of Allegiance, the Lord's Prayer, anything you know from memory, it's hard to like jump to the middle of it, middle of the stanza or something and recite. Uh, we forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, I believe, as those who trespass against us, whatever. But anytime you think about it, it's hard to like go to a, a line in something you've memorized because you're just saying the whole thing. I could say the whole thing, top to bottom, but it's hard to, wait, what is the phrase? You go into the middle of it. That's hard to do, at least for me. But again, I, I didn't have student loans, so I'm not a very smart person. Um, <laughs> oh God. Where does it end? Loan forgiveness. It's the fancy term for, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. The government will take care of everything. Everything. We will tell you how high to put your, your air conditioner. We will tell you uh, what car you're allowed to drive. We will tell you how much food you can get at the grocery store. We'll tell you what uh, cable packages. We'll tell you what team to root for. I mean, wh where, where does this thing end? No one else is like terrified of all this government type of control. The founding fathers and in their infinite wisdom, they, they understood the threat of the state and like to keep things, I don't know, separate, <laughs> you know, different entities. Our, our constitution, the system is, uh, is amazing. Federalism, right? States, right? That's big too. And just so that no one group, I guess, could get too much power. And I'm sorry, again, student debt, loan forgiveness, it sounds great in theory. 
Oh man, that's great. Yeah. People that way they won't have to pay that bill anymore. Government will take care of it. And have I gotten some government payments? Sure. I get a tax refund most years, not all years. I get a, you know, I was on unemployment for five months, I think when nothing, no one was working, but now it's just like, I don't worry about it. Stay home, stay home. We got you depend on the government. I don't want to depend on anybody, but me, I want to be left alone and I want to, uh, depend on me myself to, to live this life and, and, and support, you know, those closest to me, loved ones and things, but it, it's it it sucks when you gotta like we've all been there when you need to go to someone for help it could be a parent it could be a friend hey man i'm I'm struggling right now I, I need some help and it doesn't necessarily have to be money but it usually is money makes the world go round right we all want more of it we can't always get it it's just i don't know the money is the root of all evil no the love of money is the root of all evil right you need money. We, you need money to build churches. You need money to uh, to donate, to do good things, to raise a family. You need money. So this whole money's evil thing, I don't understand that e either. It's just it's it's to me it's an idolatry standpoint. If you put money above other things, right? Or um, and it's not to say, like the guys that have to work hard. They got to work late and work long hours. And it's like you you're making money, but what for? What what foundation are you building? Is this for your family, right? A lot of people will justify a lot of things by doing things for their family, and and it's a fine line. It's a fine line as to what thing the the, the lengths we will go for family sometimes. But I I'm always craving more money. I wish I could have done better financially for myself at this stage of my life. But I also know that I got to pursue some dreams and. Uh, some opportunities and things that I, that I wouldn't change for the world. So I think I'm kind of on my feet. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm on my feet. I'm probably on one foot with a knee on the ground and like rising kind of like a boxer who just took a shot to the gut and is trying to like collect himself. That's kind of where I'm at in life. I'm not on the canvas. I'm not on both feet either. I'm kind of making my way up and about to give the referee my gloves so that he can wipe them off and see if I'm still good to go. That's where I'm at in life. But you know what? The fight ain't over. I'm ready to rise and uh, take a few swings myself. And when, when, you're, when, you, when you're ready to fight, you're going to take some blows too. So I'm throwing out analogies all day today. Analogies all over the place. Uh, but anyway, uh, student loan debt forgiveness, man alive. I, uh, gas forgiveness. Uh, tax forgiveness. Rent forgiveness. I'm just going to keep that. And, I, and I've been posting this stuff on my personal Facebook page just because uh, I like to throw out the hypocrisy and the nonsense when I see it. So um, for those, hey, let's let's work on, hey, now do car loans. Let's do car loans next. Or gas stations. Let's just fill up our, our car and then uh, request uh, forgiveness. That would be great too, right? No, but then they'll be like, no, you only get two gallons uh, a week on, or whatever because they want to control that and, and the cars are, are destroying the planet. I guess, I don't know. I I, I lose track of all these things. I lose track of all of the chaos of all of the, uh, what's the magic word? The crisis. You put crisis on the end of anything. The 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 climate crisis. The uh, student loan crisis. The COVID crisis. Put crisis on the end of anything. Whoa. 
we better, we better act, right? It's all language. I've told you guys this before. It's all language. The words you use, shaping narratives. And anyway, it's all language. All right. Let me move off of that. I saw a show recently that I absolutely loved. I was looking forward to it. I loved it. And I think you guys should check it out as well. It's on Paramount Plus. It's called The Offer. And it's a movie about a movie. Yes, it's a movie about the making of The Godfather, the you know cinematic classic, right? Arguably the greatest movie ever made. Um, Godfather Two Part Two obviously was uh, was awesome as well. Uh, the only sequel to win an Academy Award, but the original making uh, the original Godfather movie. It was a ten part series. It talked about the production team. It talked about the mafia in in re the real life and kind of their response to the making of this film. Uh, Joe Colombo, the producers and directors, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo, the author and the director of the um, of the uh, move, the book and the movie, uh, how they all came to be. And just it was so well done. And it was on the 50th anniversary of the Godfather movie uh, being released in 1970, or maybe it won the Academy Award in 1972. But either way, uh, 50 year anniversary, which is why uh, this this show came out. It was awesome. It took you back to the 1960s, 70s Hollywood. Uh, a lot of things haven't changed, but some things have. Uh, just kind of the the egos, the power, the uh, the um, ambition, right? Uh, everyone thinks they have a, a million dollar idea and want to be famous overnight, and just and plus plus the issues, the problems. You know, people didn't like Al Pacino as the the possible uh, the possible lead in the movie. Uh, they had other big stars in it. And that's the other thing about the show. They, sh they, they display these characters, um, who are portraying Al Pacino, James Kahn. Um, uh, what is the, uh, Marlon Brando. The, they, the, the, the actors that portray those actors, if that makes sense. Oh man, looks just like them. And it was cool. It reminded, the show reminded me a lot of, uh, winning time on HBO, the, uh, the recreation of the, uh, Showtime Lakers, right? Jerry Buss, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was kind of that format, but in the making of a movie. And I, I just loved it. We binged it. We killed it. So uh, big big time encouragement for you guys to uh, to go check that out. Um, let me see what else we got here. Um, no, no, no. I want to talk about uh, two separate uh, lists I'm going to do uh, with uh, summer ending and Football season beginning. I, I compiled uh, two lists here. Not top, not top ten, whatever. I, you know, we're in, we live in this age of oh, top ten and rankings and this and that. Um, so I thought I, I, I'd share this with you guys. Um, uh, and I'll do a, another little rant in between the two lists. But I have two lists that I wanted to share with you. Uh, first one is with summer ending. Uh, you know, it's it's already over and kids are back in school or whatever. But I just kind of wrote down uh, ten of my favorite summer memories um usually most of them being as a kid because when you're a kid summer means something right no school oh man all play right uh it's just the best and so uh, I, I wrote down 10 memories uh from my summer experiences uh kind of that I, I i will never forget or kind of just stick out to me as as summer memories and then the other top 10 list i i created uh with football season starting and, and me being so passionate about uh just real football going here. Um, I, I thought yeah, it's hard for me to not think about refereeing um, the past few years. I haven't 
been in it and I still get the texts from my buddies. I'm on group chains and th- things of, uh, you know, the football season starting and meetings and, uh, you know, the games and then the, the lower level games and just, uh, the, how the weekends are going. It's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, interaction with the uh, football officials and some of my best friends. So I compile the list of my 10, uh, not best or favorite, but just 10 mem- mem- memorable, um, football stadiums, uh, football fields. I should say the 10 most memorable football fields I ever officiated on and kind of the backstory behind each one. So I'm going to try to do both of those right now, try to do it in a timely manner. I should only do one list per show, but I thought I'd, uh, well, why not? You know, it's, it's transition end of summer football starting. And so as I stepped away from uh, being involved with Rio for a while, I was, uh, you know, pursuing a, a very big time uh, football officiating career. Didn't quite end how I wanted, but hey, nothing, uh, most things usually don't. And, and it's just about the journey itself. So let's start off with the summer and uh, 10, 10 of my summer memories. I'm going to go in backwards order. Um, just again, I threw these down real quick. And uh, a lot of it has to do with kind of summer trips and things, but 10 of my favorite, again, not favorite, memorable uh moments from from the summers growing up uh at number 10 is knott's berry farm i've always seen knott's berry farm is superior to disneyland yeah i said it what do you want to do about it uh i love just the environment the western feel uh better roller coasters i think and got to go to knott's berry farm only in the summers as a kid and usually with my school on a field trip one day a year got to go there but uh, i know my family uh my dad especially they they enjoy the su- the the chicken dinner restaurant there down outside the park and it's just a good environment some people would say oh it's jv disney fine that's fine uh i prefer it i prefer the prices i prefer the kind of the the story it being on a uh, berry farm there and just kind of i don't know some great great memories there whether it's uh, riding boomerang for the first time or what was the other montezuma's revenge going on my first loop ride Oh, God. scary stuff, scary stuff. But uh, I, I don't know. I enjoyed Knott's Berry Farm. Haven't been in a while, but one of my favorite places. Uh, at number nine, Raging Waters, right here in San Dimas, right up the road. Again, didn't get to go unless it was a, a school trip. Did it with Rio a few times when we were junior high guys. But just being in a water park and the fact that it was so close. Usually you go to Disneyland or Knott's or these places. They're far away, right? And I've gone to other water parks on summer trips. But Raging Waters, the OG, world famous, right here, you know? go there you gotta wear your sandals so you're not walking on hot hot uh, cement all day uh, lunch always tasted super great after being in the water all day and just going on all these rides so uh raging waters comes in at number nine for me again i haven't been in forever uh and i'm probably too old for that stuff but uh raging waters was always was always pretty cool whether going down big slides or playing around the amazon river uh good memories and good times at number eight i have london to lax let me explain in 2001 we had a summer trip to europe spent four and a half five weeks there in europe and uh we ate at every mcdonald's and burger king uh there in 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 uh, in uh, europe and and you know we started in london ended in london went to france germany all over switzerland an amazing amazing trip uh, as I was going into my junior year, but I specifically remember getting on the plane in London as we were flying back to LA because we were coming back to to start in a, in a week or so our first uh, our first season in uh, varsity football in that uh, 2001, and we all wore shirts on the plane. Uh, we wore our, our football shirts in like solidarity on the plane going to LAX, and uh, that was about a month before 9/11 happened. And I remember a guy getting on the plane, uh, one of our teammates, and he had a knife. 
and they made him mail it home there at the, the terminal. And I remember getting on the plane thinking, man, who, who would hijack a plane? What is he going to do? Hijack a plane with a knife. And then a month later, uh, you know, the awful terrorist attacks in, uh, in uh, the East coast and, and just in, in America that, that happened. And I just remember thinking back to that moment, like, whoa, I said these words and that's what, what it was just, it was a trippy moment. Uh, uh, funny side of this story. I get home and um, I told my parents somehow, oh, they're going to bus us to, to Rio. Well, they didn't do that. All the families and parents met at LAX and uh, you know, I had to call them and say, Hey, I'm here at LAX. So I waited at LAX by myself. Well, maybe there was a, a coach or someone waiting for me, but uh, I was there at LAX for a few hours, just waiting for mom and dad to make their way there. I was the last person picked up from our Europe trip uh, there in 2001. Uh, number seven, kind of piggybacking on, on that uh, double sessions. Now, a lot of guys didn't love that. It wasn't easy. It wasn't, again, it wasn't the best favorite thing to do, but double sessions, it was, man, we're going back into football season. I didn't mind the hard work, the, those, the morning grass, right? The wet grass in the morning, you're, you're all wet and, and gross uh, uniform uh, that you just throw in your locker and then go home uh, and, and cool off for a few hours, come back for the nightcap. Um, I remember always we, we put out uh, a mattress in the living room at home and uh, turn the AC on, go home. It was one of the only times my dad was like, yeah, you can run the AC is, uh, during double sessions, going home to cool off, lay on the mattress, turn the AC on and watch the little league world series. That was always on during that time. So I remember the fond memories of that double sessions, go home, watch the little league world series and actually get to use the air conditioning on a mattress that we laid out in the living room. So fun times there at number six, a soccer moment made my list. Yes. Domination of care youth league soccer by the Glendora Gators three titles in four years. No big deal. I wasn't that into soccer, but we were competing. And some would say, oh, it's Carrie's League soccer. That doesn't really count. But you know what? Domination. Three titles. Three rings. That's right. The Cowboys want to live in the past. So can I. We wanted as Bs. We wanted as A's. We wanted as double A's. Triple A's. I don't know what happened. Maybe we got uh, too worn out from the other sports we were winning. You know what I mean? So I shouldn't say three titles in four years. Three titles in three years. Three Pete, baby. Woo. I mean, KYL soccer, you play like two games a day. They're like 50 minute games. And I just remember even being out there as a kid, I'm like, yeah, we have to do this. Like, I didn't like it, but it's like, yeah, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And so we, uh, we dominated. I, I scored some goals myself, had a, had a buzzer beater in one of those games, I'm trying to remember. And then I played some, some goalie as well, goalkeeper, but uh, soccer, very different, very like, eh, whatever. But hey, domination by the Glendora Gators. Number five uh, to be bipartisan here. I was on a summer trip in, I think, 94, maybe 95. It was when you were a fourth and fifth grader. Uh, we met President Clinton in Yellowstone. Uh, we we had just missed him in a whitewater rafting. He was there before us. We kind of knew he was on vacation and, and kind of everywhere he went, we were just we were just there right after. And stuff. But anyway, at Yellowstone, as a fourth grader, there he was, surrounded by Secret Service and shaking all, not just our hands on the summer trip, but a bunch of tourists and everything. And uh, it was it was it was cool to see a United States president in person as a fourth grader. It just kind of, and I didn't understand all the uh, you know the politics and everything at that time, but I just remember thinking how cool it was that hey, there's there's the president and the Secret Service, all of them in their tourist gear, but they all got the shades on and you could see the earpiece and all of them just game face looking around, especially at us little kids because they're just like. You know, where's, where's this attack going to come from? Right. So they were on their, on their game, but that was cool in 94, maybe 95 seeing president Clinton at Yellowstone. Number four on my list list is sunset beach. Let me explain. 
our family didn't do a whole lot of vacations, but the couple of vacations we did, I want to say it was like three years in a row where we rented a beach house down at Sunset Beach, right on the sand. Not a huge place by any means, but a kind of a little, little nice little living room and, and kitchen area, a couple of bedrooms. And then upstairs was like this little loft where Sam and I like to uh, like to make our room. And and but it was just so cool. You step outside and you're on the beach. And we did it for a week, Monday through Sunday, I think, uh, maybe Monday to Friday. And even when I had some care youth league soccer games, I, I hustled, you know, two days a week, went went to Covina and came back. Uh, but it was awesome. It was awesome. Captain Jack's across the street, still our favorite restaurant to this day, where we go to for celebrations. And uh, just a special place. They've since remodeled that house and things. But every time I drive by there, I take a peek down the, down the street that that we used to go, we used to, the house that we used to go to. And there was a little 7-Eleven liquor store around the corner where we used to go get ice cream all the time. And we just lived in our bathing suits all day. And we're in the water all day. It was just awesome. And the parents, they they had to, some friends come in usually and they went to dinner and did stuff. So it was just awesome. The best vacations, because they were really the only ones we ever did when we were kids, was about two, it was at least three years, I think we did. Rented the beach house for one year, one uh, one week. And uh, just a special, special time. Uh, number three, the Oval Office. Yes, yours truly at one time stood in the doorway of the Oval Office. It was on a summer trip, I believe. Let me see. It would have been before. Oh, wait. So George Bush was the president at the time. He was not there. But we uh, we were given a tour. Me, Todd Carson, and I think four boys we were coaching on that summer trip. Uh, we went on a private tour by Melissa Carson, who was working uh, for the White House at that time. It was uh, at nighttime. It was not a VIP uh, scheduled tour or anything, but we got a little tour of the White House grounds, went, went through the Rose Garden and got to stand in the doorway of the Oval Office. Couldn't go in, but I remember we were outside. We took a wrong turn somewhere and the Secret Service, not a Secret Service guy, this guy in full like combat battle. He came out of nowhere. I don't know it was from above or he just appeared. And he was like, like, uh, can I help you guys? You know, full machine gun and everything. And we're like, oh, we're on a tour. She's like, he's like, yeah, you, you got to go this way. So those, that, that place is, is protected, man. Let me tell you. So, uh, that was awesome for me stand in the oval office and be like, wow, this is, it looks just like it does on TV. And you're just like, wow. So like just feeling that feeling the history and the memories and the, oh man, so incredible standing there in the oval office doorway. Uh, at number two for me, Gettysburg, one of my favorite places to visit, just a, a, a super memorable uh, moment, an incredible place, that sacred ground, right? Um, every time I've gone there, I just want to spend the day. My dad took me there first. When I was in fourth grade, we did a trip to Virginia to stay with a friend of his for a week, and we got to go to Gettysburg. And I didn't know it as much at the time, but my dad was passionately telling me all about it and then got to go there multiple times on Carrius League trips. And, and for a lot of high school, junior high guys, you're you don't really, you're like, eh, what, what are we doing here? Okay. Yeah, it was a battle, but like the importance of the battle that this three day battle had it gone the other way. Um, who knows where we would be today, you know, and, and how the country could have been divided and at it just so many lives lost too. You can't stand on that grass or on that hill on little round top or up high and looking out at everything. You can't, stand there without feeling a sense of pride and also a sense of just emotion and tears running down your face a little bit. And it's just, I could spend uh, days there and I've gone there multiple times and uh, I would love, love to go back there very, very soon. And at number one, my favorite memory from uh, the summer summers over the years is uh, visiting Normandy. 
in France there, the uh, site of the D-Day landings, got to assist in bringing down the American flag at sunset. Uh, me and a couple other guys there, um, I have some, uh, don't arrest me, whoever, but I have some sand uh, from that beach uh, in a in a bag that I that I brought with me back uh, home. And um, just, again, similar to Gettysburg, you can't look out at that ocean, look at that sand, look at the the bunker you can't look at all that with just feeling a tremendous sense of pride and and again get emotional and think about the thousands of people not just americans but the allied forces that hit that beach with everything they had and for the uh the germans to be defending that beach with everything they had and just the absolute carnage you know, I've seen Private Ryan, but to stand there in person and close your eyes almost and picture it all, you feel it. You feel the the energy, the, the energy from the past and just the, oh, what a, what an honor. What an honor to be there. I've only been there once, but um, definitely my favorite memory from uh, my summers over the years and, and at a place that I definitely want to get back to at some point. Well, now that that list is out of the way, I have uh, another one to get to. But first, I want to mention something. This really gets to me, man. I, I got to tell you, in, in true honor of all the randomness of this show, uh, have you guys ever been around people that it could be a meeting, maybe it's a show of some kind, a theater, I, I, I don't even know, church maybe, where someone is talking, addressing a group of people, and there's somebody else who... They're talking, they're having a conversation with someone else, probably not on the phone with another person, but I've also seen that someone's talking on the phone, I vented about that a few weeks ago, but I won't tell you where this was. You can probably guess, but someone is addressing a group of people and this other guy, a couple of guys, they're talking and not like whispering. Like if you're having a whispering conversation, I, okay, fine, whatever. You're being respectful. These guys are talking out loud, pretty loud. And it's not for like 10 seconds either. It's like a full length conversation while someone else is talking to a group, addressing a group. I need you to picture this church. Um, maybe your work, you have a meeting um, again, a movie theater. One time in a movie theater is lady just talking and talking and talking during the whole movie. And some, someone finally was like, Hey, shh. And she goes, you shish. I was like, oh, we are lady. Shut up. So I, I I don't again the ego I don't know where we start to slip in this area as a society. There's no decency anymore, or the fact that people just think I think that's what social media has done. The fact that you can just grab your phone and, and submit a post. Maybe people just think they can always say whatever they want whenever they want, which I believe in free speech. Trust me, I'm a free thinker. But there's a time like show some respect. So and and then they pull this this number. So the person's addressing a group, people talking not paying attention or not showing respect. Someone comes over and addresses them. Hey, be quiet. Hey, hey guys, what are you doing? And then they have this confused look on their face. Like either what, what are we doing? It's not a big deal. Or like, Oh, someone else was talking. I, I didn't know. What, what, what planet are you on? What, what is wrong with you? If, when you see this this week and you're going to see it, trust me, you're just going to be at, Hey, were you born yesterday? Person talking to a group of people. You're among that group. Why do you need to talk and not just talk, but talk loudly while someone else is talking? Do you not need the information they're giving you? 
If so, if you don't need the information, get out of the room. Go somewhere else and have a conversation. Why are you here? You're here to listen to the person talk, or maybe you're being forced to. But still, hold your conversations till later. Why is this so difficult? It's like keeping your phone on all the time and then answering, oh my, hello? Answer it in the movie theater or whatever. It's just an example. Who are these people? How did we become this? What in what what breed of people is this? Like, wh why is this? There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no connection. Oh, it's these it's these people or that people. It's it's just it's people. We have people like this in our society. It's driving me crazy with stuff like this. Show some respect. My goodness. Respect for uh, I don't know forgiveness. Well, forgive this person, whatever. How about just listening, audio forgiveness? Just listen. It's just hilarious that 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 the it's not just the act itself, it's then the oh, I didn't know. You didn't hear or see the big group of people that the person addressing? You didn't I didn't know, I didn't see. What? It's like, oh, nobody told me that whole thing. When I used to coach, I'd be like, oh, nobody told you. Hey, make sure you breathe today. What? Oh, I got to tell you, you won't do it. Make sure you do it. We just live in this me, me, me world. But it's getting worse <laughs> in so many different areas. And I'm going to continue to vent to you guys about those every chance I get. It's just, I don't know if it's effects of the vaccine. I, I don't know. Somebody help me. Help me understand. And if I talked, in the back, when someone else is talking, yes, I have. But I try to keep it down. I try to keep it quiet. You don't just talk out loud like where other people can hear you and like disrespectfully. You're disrespecting the person on stage or wherever it is by not listening. But then you're making it harder for other people to listen. And then when you're addressed, you're like, oh, what? I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. Get out of here. All right. Let me wrap up the show today with some fun football talk. I do miss putting on the stripes, guys. I miss going out there on a Friday night to a game about 5.30 or so, uh, find the locker room, you know, um, throw the gear on, have a conversation, make some, you know, jokes with your your buddies, go on the field, meet the coaches, feel the the environment, the bands, the atmosphere, the, the kids warming up, look at them and be like, man, I was that kid, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um it was awesome. And yeah, we get yelled at and we mess things up and we do really good and still get yelled at and stuff. But it was a battle. It felt like it was better to me than coaching because you go out there and you had to run around. You were kind of competing to uh, to be the best team on the field. And so I do miss that. But I'm on to other things now. And I did it for, you know, 10 years or over 10 years uh, and, and did other sports as well. But football was, was hands down the most fun and the most special. So um, – in looking back at my officiating career, I want to offer up 10 places that were significant to me, 10 football fields that uh, I will always cherish. And uh, from a strictly an, a, of a, a uh, officiating standpoint, I, I was out at care field, you know, watching uh, practices and stuff the past few weeks. And I talked to somebody, may have been vice principal Ixta. I said, I had recently watched our eight man championship game in 2001 
And uh, I had the privilege of taking the final snap of eight man and, and doing a little quarterback sneak and scoring the uh, last touchdown in eight man history there at uh, Rio Hondo um, down at the, what is that? The West end zone. And what was crazy to think about, I, I was watching the game and that was our very last play of the game, right? Our very last offensive play. But what was so interesting was in watching, rewatching the game. I forgot about this. Um, the opening driver on defense, we, we, stripped uh their their running back right at the goal line eric winterberg made an unbelievable play senior that year and it was kind of like we were getting pushed around that happened it was like oh hey we're here to fight and so the very first offensive play we ran was a quarterback sneak out of that end zone going out needing you know 79 years yards to go so i don't know it was the same end zone it was the first play and the last play of the championship game for offensively i should say and I don't know, there was some, something poetic about that. Quarterback sneak out of the end zone. And then the last play, obviously going in that very same end zone to end it. And uh, so, I don't know, it's moments like that. And so many memories of, of Carefield from championship games and uh, rivalry games and things that I remember watching as a kid and then and then beyond. But So Carefield will always be special to me and, and probably the most sacred ground. But here are 10 other fields that I always kind of smile at when I either drive by or I think about, and uh, I'll give you the reasons why. Uh, from an officiating standpoint, mind you, a lot of other great memories watching uh, watching games and such, but these are fields I, I got to set foot on, uh, some of them multiple times. Number 10, Cal Lutheran University. The SCIAC is the Division III NCAA conference here in Southern California, and it's fun to officiate those games. It's all non-scholarship, and a lot of those guys are, are there for, you know, uh, academics more than anything, but they compete. They play hard. Cal Lutheran always does a, a great job there in Thousand Oaks of their athletics, their environment. Their field is really cool. It's it's kind of compressed and tight. Everything it feels bigger than it is. It's a uh, there's no track. Any field that doesn't have a track, huge fan of because it's like no, this is football only. All right, they play soccer on it too, but no track that keeps the fans even further away. Uh, Cal Lutheran University there in Thousand Oaks, a tight uh, tight field, great facility. And uh, just a fun environment to work at. And I remember looking up on the hill there beyond the school uh, while I was working games there. And there was just kind of this open area. And I remember always thinking, hmm, what's going to be up there someday? They're going to build something. Is it going to be an extension of the school? What's going to be up there someday? Little did I know that years later, uh, that would be the Rams practice facility. And it still is to this day, a temporary practice facility there for the LA Rams just outside of Cal Luthan. And I just, it's funny how things work out. You, you just, I remember sitting there again, working the game during a timeout, looking up at the hill and be like, I wonder what's going to be up there someday. Little, little did I know it would be uh, my, my favorite team's practice facility for a few years moving forward. At number nine, I put Chaparral High School down in, where is that? Is it Elsinore? I think it's down in like Murrieta. Let me double check. I should know this. Uh, Chaparral High School, nice environment, nice field, uh, good football program. Uh, but I mentioned this one here at number nine because it was the site of the very last football game uh, I ever worked. And it was a second round playoff game. Chaparral against Paramount, Paramount High School from uh, over in the uh, Inglewood area, I think, somewhere over there. But uh, a great, great football game um, back and forth. I think I was on the visiting sideline. I think the visiting team uh, won. Um, I had a great crew with me. It was a cold, cold night in uh, you know December. Maybe it was November. But uh, Chaparral High School down in uh, Phelan. So a little bit of a drive. 
Uh, I didn't know it at the time that it was going to be my final game. But I think uh, shortly after that, I kind of figured it would have been when I kind of didn't go further than that. And, and I didn't officially know I was going to not stop officiating um, that next year. And I think that would have been, let's see, I started in 07. I think it was 2017. So exactly 10 years, actually 11 years, I think, of high school football. Um, but I just remember that game being a very competitive uh, playoff game, back and forth. I made some great calls. My, my buddies made some great calls. We kept the game in order. It could have gotten out of control. It was kind of one of those games. Um, but kids played hard, very talented, good coaching on both sides, and just a, a fun memory. And I've driven by that school a few times. I'm like, hey, man, that's – man, that's – you don't always know when the end is, right? Some guys know. But you don't always know, and so for me, that was uh, that was one that uh, now I look back on as. And some people are like, "Well, Matt doesn't have to be the end. Could, you can come back, and eh, maybe someday I will, but probably not." Uh, number eight, Charter Oak High School. Now, last year, Real Hondo beat Charter Oak in the first round of the CIF playoffs. A uh, huge game, memorable game. Uh, it, it meant so much for me for many reasons. But as a kid, going to Charter Oak football games. And seeing that program uh, be so successful there in the 90s, and they've always been good, and it was right up the street from my house. I always uh, loved and respected Charter Oak football. Going to games there, I had a lot of friends and classmates who went to that school, and just a, a great, great football program. And that's even more the reason why it was so uh, special for Rio to beat those guys last year, to represent so many of us uh, from the past, right, that, that had lost – guys to go play in other schools. But when I remember I, when I set foot on, on charter Oaks football field in a varsity game, um, it was special. It was like, almost like, man, I've made it kind of a thing, like to work a varsity game at charter Oak. And there's other great uh, schools in the area that I will get to here in a second, but being at charter Oak, being a kid who grew up there, it, it meant a lot to me and getting to work uh, some of those games in the past. And then of course, uh, you know, the, the real game last year, but this is officiating only. And I had some good memories there at charter Oak working, working games and it was nice working games that were just right up the street from where I live too. So charter Oak will always be special to me. And number seven, the university of San Diego, a division one double a school. It is uh, the closest I got to working division one football. I got to work there twice. Um, that's kind of a place that it's kind of like it's a in independent school. So it's not affiliated with a conference, but it's where a lot of guys would work division one guys who would work there kind of on their off week, they go down there and work uh, the Toreros football team. And for a lot of us guys in division three and, and JC guys, if we got the call to go work that game, um, that was a big deal. It was obviously nice money wise, but it was, it was a bigger, bigger step, right? It was a, you're, you're on the precipice of maybe working some division one football in the future and a beautiful place to work. Uh, just incredible. And the, the irony of it all, again, I like irony and tying things together. I worked my first, I'll call it, it was always a dream of mine to work division one football and division one baseball. Um, I got to do both of those things, but not exactly the way in which I anticipated or thought I would. I only worked two games of division one AA football at the university of San Diego, uh, one game in, in, you know, two separate years, but I also worked division one baseball, uh, for, I don't know, almost eight years or something. But, um, my very first game baseball game, a division one baseball game was at the university of San Diego. And then, uh, wouldn't you know it? My final college baseball game was at the university of San Diego. Um, the night that, um, Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID, um, for the, what was it? Utah jazz, or I can't remember what team, but the, the night, the NBA shut down, we were on the field. I remember coming off that field thinking, Oh man, this is uh, going to be interesting. So my first and last division one, 
football game. There was only two of them uh, at uh, University of San Diego and my first and last division one baseball games at the University of San Diego. So special place there, incredible campus, great facility. And uh, something that I'm incredibly uh, proud to kind of, I don't know, put that into my, uh, my list of things. Uh, at number six, this is kind of shock some people. Uh, number six, Faith Baptist. Yes, that Faith Baptist. Um, I grew up Rio football. We played Faith Baptist a lot out there in uh, Canoga Park. I remember, was it my freshman year? Sophomore year. We opened the season there. Varsity played after us. Nice Saturday day. Uh, and as a sophomore, I didn't play a ton as a freshman, but as a sophomore, I was kind of uh, playing there uh, in uh, for real Hondo. But the reason I listed Faith Baptist on the uh, list here is because that is where I worked my very first CIF final, an eight-man championship. And I was proud of the fact that it was an eight-man championship because that's the level of ball I played most of my uh, high school career. And uh, to be there and, and officiate uh, Faith Baptist, a field I had played on before, and for it to be my very first CIF championship uh, in any sport, I was like, this is kind of cool. The little little sweet irony to it. So it wasn't much of a game, but I do remember we got like brownies or something from uh, one of the administrators and they took care of the officials quite well. And uh, I think after that game, I ended up driving up north to San Francisco to watch the Rams and the Niners play. I think, I think it was that weekend. It could be wrong. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was uh, the only game I went to at Candlestick Park. Thank God they tore that place down. So anyway, Faith Baptist, you're on the list. Just for sentimental reasons, we'll say. Not a great facility, but they took care of us. And uh, it was it was cool being on that field as being like, hey, I played eight-man football, and now I'm working an eight-man championship game. Pretty cool. At number five, I have Bishop Amat. For those of you that have not been over to Bishop Amat for a Friday night, Kiefer Stadium, uh, in great env- a great environment. I would say it's, it's similar to the Rio. Rio's definitely a few notches down environment-wise, but the environment is like, it's kind of like a very neighborhood friendly, right? The in and out truck is always there. Um, there's people out there tailgating at three o'clock. You drive up and they're like, what's your name? What's your, you know, it's very orchestrated. And um, Bishop Mott played division one football. So I've refereed some great games there. Bishop Mott versus Crespi. Bishop Mott versus um, Servite. Uh, schools of that nature. So uh, a great environment, man. And and when you get that assignment, you know that it's a bigger deal than usually uh, maybe some of the other schools just because they care more. Great facility. Um, not quite like, uh, you know, a St. John Bosco type of field or anything, but it's just kind of, it's got some charm to it. It's got grass, grass only, which is great. They have a track, but oh, well, I think they put the visiting bleachers on the track and there's not a ton of them, but like they back up to like these houses right behind the, the stadium the uh, the visiting side and just the Amat tradition uh, right is just it speaks for itself and a really really cool environment very similar to again Rio maybe Rio similar to them however you want to say it but I love environments and atmospheres and I think uh, Bishop Amat definitely uh, leads the way there at number four I put Antelope Valley College way up there in Lancaster California uh, I don't remember a ton about the game but it was my very first college football game. And again, kind of bookending that season. I think I worked five college games that season. I was on call and the first game of the season and the last game of the season, both of them at Antelope Valley college. So a special place to me. And I just remember taking my first few snaps of college football thinking, Oh, this will be just a little bit better than, you know, varsity football. And I've worked some great varsity games by this time. This is my third year of officiating by the way. And as soon as the balls kicked off, I was like, Oh wow, these are bigger, faster dudes. This is like real college football. Cause if you can officiate community college football in California, you can officiate it anywhere because it is division one 
talent football, not many people in the stands, but if you're looking to get to a good uh, football game somewhere, go check out a JC game. I know Citrus College right up the street. Uh, they got a great program. Uh, Coach Hayashi has been on this podcast before and uh, does a great job with those guys. And as a as an alumnus of uh, Citrus College, uh, you know, it's fun to see a team locally, but good talent all around and guys that are playing hard, trying to get to the next level. So Antelope Valley College, special to me for that very reason. My first college snaps in my officiating career. Number three, Covina District Field. Not this one, but the old one. And yes, it was on the same site. And I think what they've done with the remodel, uh, probably however many years ago, it's been five years ago or so. That's cool. It's very neat. Uh, but the old field, it ran, uh, what what direction does it run now? And now it runs east-west. It used to run north-south and a ton of great memories there. No track, no track. And it was all grass. Loved it. Again, any field that doesn't have uh, the track, I'm a huge fan of. So no track, grass field, both bleachers were exactly the same. Uh, Covina, Northview, and South Hills all played their home games there. So when they play each other, you know, uh, you, you'd occasionally be on the visiting side. I grew up there watching my cousin, Casey Wasilshin, who was all everything, uh, their play at Northview. My parents went to Northview. Uh, my, my aunts, my, my aunt, my uncle, everyone went to Northview. Uh, so we did a lot of games there at Cabina district field. And when Rio got to play, uh, in the 2008, no, eight, nine, or 10. It was nine. The 09 championship game, they needed a neutral site, I guess. And uh, Mark Carson and Mr. Drain set up Covina District Field. It was a mud bowl, crazy game. They lost, I think, nine, six or whatever to Linfield Christian. But uh, it was awesome playing a CIF championship game there. I, I watched, I think, my first CIF championship game at Covina District Field watching Covina in 1995 beat Lompoc 23-21. Covina blocked a field goal as uh, time expired to win the CIF championship. I was there. It was a full house. And uh, just a f- I remember watching Northview win some playoff games there. Uh, it, it's the field now. It was remodeled. All the teams had to play somewhere else for a year while they remodeled it. It's turf now. It runs east-west. It's got you know nicer locker rooms and things. Um, but it's not the same. I mean, it, it backs up there right behind pizza chalet, right? It was a popular place after games. Um, but my one, one officiating, I had a couple of them. I had, and, and my assigner, Tracy McFate was outstanding for this, but I had one request as a, uh, official or one of my first requests to Tracy. And that was, I wanted to work the very first game at the new district field. And it was, I think it was a Thursday night, maybe Covina against, La Puente, right? Not a big game or anything, but it was the very first regular season game at Covina District Field. And because of my family history and being there so much, I wanted to work the first game. And then, and and I, he he uh, honored my request. I did that. I should have requested the first Northview game. Uh, and I, I'm not to cheat for anyone, uh, but just because of the family history, that would have been cool. That, that I should have done the first game and the first Northview game, maybe back-to-back nights, back-to-back weeks. That would have been cool. But anyway, I worked the first ever. A game at the new Covina District Field uh, as requested, and it was a tremendous honor to do so. At number two, I have Citrus College for many reasons. Uh, number one, I went to college there, um, but uh, I played a legendary game against Western Christian in the rain there. We had many circuses there, a lot of connections to that, but it was also the site of my very first varsity football game. Gladstone hosting Gary uh, on a Friday night, I got the call, I think Thursday after I, it was the second game I ever worked was a varsity game. And I guess I had a decent impact on uh, the Thursday freshman game I did. 
And then I was a guy that was always out watching the varsity crews work. So I guess they trusted me enough to do that. Anyway, Gladstone against Gary, uh, not a big game by any means, but uh, a huge game to me. And it meant a lot um, to work at Citrus College. And again, with all of those connections and then playing in the playing there. Uh, and, and, and then since then I've officiated a bunch of games there. I always love working citrus games in Glendora, right up the street, kind of a small locker room that they need to improve on, but Hey, can't have it all. They always had a check for you and a lot of day games there at citrus. So, uh, a great place to work football games. But my first game was under the lights was at citrus college and I wouldn't have it any other way at number one, making my list of favorite fields, most memorable fields I've officiated on. Uh, I'll go with Anaheim stadium. Some people call it Angel Stadium. I will always call it Anaheim Stadium because when I was a kid uh, going to Rams games with my father for three years or so, um, went to Anaheim Stadium, the big A, and watched the LA Rams play uh, a lot of football games and, and season tickets we had and got to get to games early with dad, play catch, the chili cook-offs, get my face painted, all these great things. And and then we'll go watch the Rams usually lose pretty bad. But we had season tickets here third, right along the third baseline, kind of halfway between home plate and third base field level toward, toward, towards the top. They'd be great baseball seats today, but uh, back then they were football seats. And I just, so many fond memories there and having the opportunity to be selected to work the division one CIF championship game in 2015 against uh, it was St. John Bosco against Corona Centennial number one versus number two. No, not in the division. No, not state rankings. These were the number one and number two teams in the country rankings wise. And it was Corona Centennial that took down St. John Bosco after I believe Bosco won the year. They met in the championship the year before. I think Bosco may have beat him the year before. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was the most points scored in a first half in CIF history. Um, and I forget the, the final. I think it ended up being uh, six, 63 to 40 or something. Anyway, it was a lot of, lot of running around. But to be on that field and work a football game. I also umpired a baseball game there uh one time uh azusa pacific versus cal baptist on home plate so that was cool also that was a different sport uh but anaheim stadium man working that cf championship and feeling it was packed right the environment and just uh it was something i will never ever forget and i was just, just remember thinking man it doesn't get any better than this and going to football games with mark carson as a high school guy guy in college always going to big games at anaheim stadium usually the final was there um I remember thinking it'd be cool to, to play here someday. Little did I know, again, it's funny how things work out. I would officiate there someday. And this isn't a bragging, this whole thing isn't about me bragging. It's just kind of me going down memory lane and uh, looking back at a fun officiating career. Now that football season is starting, I'm on to other things now with the Real Hondo Prep Charge to Keep podcast. But I did want you guys to kind of hear my story, I guess, as to some of my most memorable experiences uh, from uh, officiating football in some of my favorite places that I have ever worked at. So thanks for bearing with me. I appreciate you. It is Thursday. We are two weeks away from the NFL season starting as the defending Super Bowl champion, LA Rams host the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills on Thursday night football to kick off the season September 20th. But before then, we got Real Hondo Prep Football this Friday hosting El Monte uh, in the season opener. There is some college football this Saturday. Uh, Nebraska and Northwestern play in Ireland of all places, but there's some other games on there. I think there's like 10 games maybe for division one football, Utah state plays. I think Hawaii plays, right? Some of the West coast teams. So football's here, man. It is here. The last couple of weeks here will be tough waiting for the final stretch here for the NFL, but hopefully with my 
goodbye to uh, summer memories from my summer and with my favorite football fields I've worked on. It's getting you guys a little fired up for uh, for some football. And uh, if, if nothing else, from listening to today's podcast, start writing down things that you can get forgiven for 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 your. Uh, we're repenting of our sins, right? We should always do that. Let's repent of our of our debts. Repent of our expenses, right? It seems like someone will pay the bill. I don't know if it's constitutionally uh, allowed or going to happen, but it seems like a way for. Uh, President Biden to President Bryben. Ooh, that's a good one. Did anyone else come up with that? Not Biden, President Bryben. I'm going to write that one down. He's bribing all these uh, young kids with student loans. Hey, vote for the Democratic Party. How about you vote for who you think uh, do a good job? Not give you stuff. Not give you stuff. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's the world we're in. Okay, I'm done venting. I got my political statement in there for the day. I'll, I'm sorry to anyone that's offended. I apologize to nobody. Uh, anyway, guys, have a great weekend. It is here. Happy Thursday. Enjoy the football this weekend, especially with Real Hondo on Friday. I'll be back next week for a Thursday episode here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Eventually, I will have some guests, uh, but just one day a week now on the Get Home Safe podcast on Thursday mornings for you guys. And then don't forget, Charge to Keep podcast, not only this Sunday, recapping the big game from Friday night, but a little preview show tomorrow uh, that will be released, probably a 20-minute, 15-minute, just a little brief meme, my thoughts on the upcoming game, some keys to the game, and then a pregame show on site at Care Park in Irwindale, uh, probably around 5.30 or so. So check that out on YouTube. It'll probably post sometime after six. Anyway, enough for me, guys. I'm out of breath, out of ideas. appreciate you spending the time with me today. It's time for more coffee. But guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe. <laughs> Thank you.